I would also say that like for people who are in teams where it's more engineering oriented, it also takes time to build trust. That's what I heard. That like initially people may not believe your judgment, especially people who have worked in the industry for like much longer. But you just had to like show your trustworthiness and usefulness to the team and over time it will get better. Welcome to this episode of The Breakdown, podcast for all things product, entrepreneurship, and everything in between. For this episode, we're breaking down the experience of Shira Wu, an associate product manager at Google. Jumping from legal industry, financial world, and finally a PM, how did Shira found her value and seize it for an industry that matches her the most? Without further ado, let's dive into this episode of The Breakdown. So hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of podcast, The Breakdown. And my name is Annie. I'm currently working as an AI PM in one of the AI unicorns. And today we have Cher here. She's one of the Google APM. And she just graduated this year and she joined Google as well as the APM program. And thank you so much, Cher, for taking our time to do that. And so without further ado, let's get started. Cher, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. My name is Cher. Right now, I'm a first-year APM at Google. My team is... Kaggle, which is a startup in data science that Google acquired about five years ago. Prior to doing the APM program, I wanted to do everything besides tech. So I, I looked into law school, which is like one of my long-running passions, particularly in public defense and pro bono law firms. So in college, I actually always wanted to go to law school straight. And I was a political science and philosophy student. I did a lot of law-related experience my freshman and sophomore year. And what drove me into trying different industries is initially that for law school, they don't require you to be any major or have any specific kind of experience. So I knew I wanted law. So I felt like I may as well try different industries because I don't want to constrain myself to like only do law for the rest of my life. So I also dabbled into a bit strategy in corporations. I did um, investment banking for my junior year summer. And in my senior year, I applied to the APM program as a full-time, so not as an intern, because I realized that actually I don't want to go, go law school straight. And the reason that is being looking at how a lot of the defenders operate like through online internships and volunteering. I think where I can contribute my skills the best is through legal technology, is to bring my, like, interest in tech into innovating how the industry works in an industry that's very traditional and arguably inefficient. Yeah, so that's why I became a Google APM. Only realized what a PM is in my senior year. Um, and here I am. I love to share my journey and like the pros and cons of being a PM. Yeah, great. So how about we start from here that um, you actually talk about your switch between different industries, switch between like traditional industry from law to technology. So the major point made you to decide to switch is because like you think law firm might be very traditional and you think it might not be that sufficient. So you want to use technology to help them. But I just wondering, like, how do you handle the switch between like from traditional to tech? And how do you think like your past experience actually helped you to help to switch industries? Yeah, I actually want to cha- challenge the paradigm about like switching industry a little bit because most people like find it very daunting to do so. And kind of like our language around like the challenge of like coming from an untraditional background and of being as 
blocker to our like to our pursuit mentally and become a self-fulfilling prophecy when we think it's really hard to switch. But in reality, having looked at many people around us a lot, most of my peers like don't know what they're doing. Like in particular in college, everyone switched their majors like ten times or switched their like professional interests like five times. It's like really really normal. So for me, I quote unquote switched industries many times, but I personally feel like they're not barriers because whatever you learn, like especially among industries like law, PM, consulting, banking, like a lot of these like industries are more self-skill oriented, right? Obviously, if you like want to switch into being a physics researcher, that's going to be like a lot harder and that requires more like fundamental knowledge. But like in industries that mostly require self-skills or like even entrepreneurship, like a lot of the skills you learn is like interrelated. So I encourage everyone to not think about like the barrier of switching industries. When you try to switch uh, from law to tax, do you, uh, and also like you said, you applied to APM um, for a time job. Did you feel any like frictions when you were trying to switch or you think like it's kind of going pretty like spontaneous because um, you think there are a lot of overlap? Yeah, yeah, I was in a just reply. I kind of just applied. Um, in terms of friction, I think if there, I have to name something. One is that I wasn't as informed about what the, what are the PM options out there, and like not that many of my friends were trying to do PM. So I like missed a few deadlines and like didn't apply to like a lot of companies, which is like still fine. But if you want to like explore another industry, it'll be helpful to find people who are like also in a similar industry. And the second challenge could be just like positioning myself because I definitely have the worries of like not being the pe person that the PM industry is looking for. Like in particular, when I coffee chatted with a lot of PMs, um, they emphasized that, oh, the company may want to see your experience working with engineers and developers. And I was like, shoot. I've never worked with an engineer in one day in my life. So I, like, I feel insecurity over, like, I'm probably not that, like, not the kind of profile with most PMs they hire, but, like, I think that's really, I decided to, like, just present my experiences authentically and talk about my experience and the parts that could apply to the PM role. And chances are, maybe the role isn't just looking for everyone with the same experience, right? They want some diversity. An example is like one experience I did talk about in the interviews at for APM is working at public defenders in New Orleans where I had to work very closely with clients because I was in the client social work department. Um, so every day I just like talk to people who are incarcerated, or incarcerated and really like under try to understand their lives and therefore like provide resources for in our office to help or provide support. I think that's really relevant to like being an empathetic PM. And I think empathy is like one of my superpowers. And I empathize that in my interviews instead of like trying to make my experience look like working with developers. Mm, I see. Very interesting. So I guess like positioning yourself is definitely a global challenge for all of the people who are trying to switch to PM. 
I, I'm just very curious. So when you try to position yourself as a PM, do you have any idea that beside PM is working closely with engineers? Do you, do you have any idea like what PMs are actually doing? Or that you are just trying to think about your own story that you think might fit into PM to create this like stories about that? Yeah, I think there are like a few like central PM skills that people definitely look for. One is like talking the user and user empathy. Like two is like working with engineers and designers. Three, maybe just like general business sense. Four, mm-hmm. like sense, like similar to other questions, just seeing crack the PM interview and find is probably just general communication skills. <laughs> Those are the, like the really important things. Oh, and also six, if you're applying to like a tech, like an APM like Google. They're more like they want to have their technical knowledge a little bit. So like the technical interview is number six. I also it's like very hard to be a person to fit all six. I definitely did not. So like maybe just look at the parts that you do fit and really advocate for that. Mm, I see. Yeah. And I think another follow-up question for that is that you said like you never work closely with engineers. But like, this is like kind of one of the major skills that PM should acquire. Did you find when you trying to do either recruiting as PM or like currently you are working as PM, do you think this would be something you're not confident about? And if so, like, how did you handle that? Yeah, like when I actually became a PM, like the ability to like communicate with engineers and understand their challenges is definitely one of the things I need to improve on the most. And I handled it, but just doing it more. So I like in the preference for what I want from an APM one rotation, that's what I want a technical role. And I try to like work the engineers in my team a lot more and understand what they're thinking. So I would say like it's a skill that you can most definitely pick up when you are actually on the job. Mm, I see. That's very interesting. But I think this comes to an egg and chicken problem because a lot of people will think that because they don't have experience working with engineers, uh, so it's hard for them to actually build this field because it's hard to start because um, like they don't have that experience. So like uh, position requires this experience might not accept them. And but they, they only can work from for that department in order to gain that experience. So I'm just very curious, like when you started, uh, how did you like handle your like your own disadvantage with with this, or like when you recruit, like how did you make your story compete even without working closely with engineers? Yeah, like first of all, I would just say don't mm-hmm. guess why, because somebody has to take a leap of faith at you, like mm-hmm. that's chicken egg problem. And if you just like let a narrative like disencourage you, then sure the problem will go on in infinity but like somebody then you apply to like 10 terms and somebody would think a chance that you would and second in terms of like how i talk about my experience i think working with engineers is like a pretty specific skill the more general sense of that is like working with others and like building a team towards a common vision and i did a lot of that with my college extracurriculars so i like emphasized that instead like how i like organized volunteering programs like for college yeah. students at my college to like volunteer at like pro bono law firms and such i think those are all relevant experiences you just can't let like whatever other people tell you like 
I bet if you like coffee chat with other PMs, they're going to tell you it's an important skill to like have worked on something. And if you're like a freshman, sophomore, and you really want to be a PM, it's definitely more advantageous if you're like, go try a startup or like start your own project and get them that experience working with like edge and designer. But if you don't get there, like if you haven't gotten that by like your junior and senior year, that's like not a blogger. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. I think um, for sure, yeah, try to connect your dots from previous experience and position, fit yourself into the image of, of the PM you have and or type of the PM you have in, in your mind that you want to be and then like apply and let them to decide. Yeah, you can decide, right? You just had to present yourself in the most favorable light. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think like, I think that definitely makes sense, but uh, I kind of want to switch gear a little bit from talking about start starting as a PM to that within all of your experience, because you you mentioned you have a lot of experience. You did like law firm and you organized like student organization within laws and you also did investment banking, if I remember correctly. I just want to know, like compared to all of the jobs you have done, what are some, what, what what's, what's one vertical that you find the most interest to you and why did you actually end up to do PM job in tech? Yeah, yeah I voted with my seat. <laughs> I'm a PM now. So I don't know. So I like the reason I made the decision isn't necessarily because PM is the most interesting job compared to being a lawyer or banker, but it's like suit my, what I want to do the most. Like in the long term, how I see myself is that I want to make an impact in the way that the justice system is organized. And I thought I would find that kind of meaning as a public defender. And when I actually worked at those like environments, I was so inspired by everyone I knew and met who was a criminal lawyer or a public defender. Like they have so much passion and like mission orientedness about what they do. But I also saw a lot of the systemic forces that prevented them from like realizing their full potential, like funding requirements, like bureaucracies. I just think like as an individual navigating those systems, it's like really, really difficult to make a change. It's still worth it. But the angle I want to take to do this is through like technology solutions, because I think you know, a lot of these traditional industries don't have adequate like aren't adequately served by tech, tech firms. And especially you talk about like pro bono law firms and public defender, like nobody in tech wanted to bill for them. Like nobody's exaggeration, but like most of people probably want to do some like B2B SaaS company, which is like completely serious, like more profitable, easier to raise. But I bet like not that many people want to build for like unglamorous institutions. So that's like where I see myself making a difference. Mm, I see. I see. Well, that's actually very interesting perspectives. Um, I'm like, I'm just very curious. Like, what's your like general thoughts and views about current technology to help to help those law defenders, or and also like from currently like your working experience at Kygo, do you see anything that your current work institution may help? Like, maybe like have some Kygo competition around helping law defenders. Or even like from your own background perspective as a like law, like you worked at law firm before you were trying to study law. 
do you see any like general pinpoints that you think the development of current technology definitely can help with? Yeah, for sure. Like I went to a legal technology conference just last week and I saw a lot of lawyers who are trying to innovate in the space and a big challenge among the lawyers is like there's a lot of clerical work and there's a lot of like document reading and parsing and finding patterns, right? As you look at that, that sounds like exactly the type of work that a generative AI can help automate. I think that like as hard as the gen AI industry is, it requires deep like industry knowledge and product knowledge to actually build something that's useful instead of just a thin wrapper around the GPT-4 API. Like, for example, like a lot of the teams that I've saw who are like innovating or legal tech, like have somebody who's a product and then somebody who like somebody who's an ex-lawyer, like have much more ingrained like perspective about law than somebody who's like technical. So for me, I want to approach this by finding like somebody who's like more ingrained in an industry because although I've interned and worked in some parts of the industry, like there's still a lot more than I, that I don't know. But I, what I do know is like the legal industry is a lot of based on clerical work and based on like parsing through text and documents. So I think it's like a good industry to look into for innovation potentials while keeping in mind the regulatory challenges and the flow adoption of the industry in general. Mm, I see. That's very interesting. But how do you think that your current job at Google could help you to achieve that? Yeah, I think I think like through the APM program is a really great training ground for anything related to like product skills, um, how you look at which features to develop that actually help the users, as well as the ability to work in a team um, with designers and engineers um, and UX researchers, etc. Um, which I'll need to, both of which I'll need to like start something or join an early stage startup in the, the industry. So yeah, I think it's a lot of honing skills and also like learning some foundational knowledge about like what machine learning can do and currently cannot do because there's so much love in the industry. Like after say ChatGPT came out, like everyone knows all about that. There's so much like good and bad information floating around. So much, so many people are like pitching their startup ideas. Like an intention I've set for myself is like to build up my knowledge base so that I can discern like like which ideas are actually legit and able to like apply to a use case. Mm-hmm. I see, but I think I guess my follow up question about that is that so beyond the point you just mentioned. I, my personal, like my, my personal thought on law industry is that it's very traditional and it's also very people oriented and a lot of people working in tech, as you know, just like me and you, I don't know about you, but I feel like I live in a tech bubble that everyone around me is working in tech. And if you want to do something for the traditional industry, especially an industry that's very people oriented, I, I'm just very curious, like. How do you think like you, you can keep your network in that traditional industry to help you to build your products that's really useful for that specific traditional industry? And also, how do you think about in the future when you're really trying to build that in terms of like go to market? 
how do you like jump out of that tech bubble and to actually that dive into a industry that's not tech? Yeah, I think the most important thing is being intentional about like who to meet. For example, the percentage of people in San Francisco where we live who are into like legal tech or justice technology is like very low, right? So you're likely not like if you're in- interested on these like more niche industries, you're probably not going to run into one like at a street or in a networking event. I remember this like one event where I met a founder who used to be a lawyer and I was like so excited because I'd never seen one of those. But um, later on, I realized I can also be intentional about putting myself in spaces where like um, like minded people congregate. So I went to like legal technology uh, conferences and like I was like shown and I was like, oh, everyone like kind of thinks um, about the same problems than I do. So I think being deliberate about like meeting people I meet in everyday life, but also like meeting people who creating opportunities to meet people who would not normally meet is really important because they're right. Like if I don't immerse myself in the legal industry at all, I will not know anything about their challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting perspective that being conscious about who we are trying to meet. Also that about the environment we're living, (laughs) we probably have a larger chance to meet people who are working in tech. But uh, if we are conscious about who we met, there will be a large chance we build connections with people who have some interest with us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess like my last set of the questions I have is just like compared to your past experience with your current Google APM experience, why do you find like this one is the most excited? And uh, besides that, also, um, you said like you were also working in investment banking. I'm quite curious, like, why did you chose to enter in one of the investment banking? Like, what was the ideology behind that? I don't think there is one, right? The open like doing explorations as an underclassman in college. Because I, like, at a point, I was very sure I wanted to go to law school at some point. So, like, it didn't really matter what I did for my internship. Like, when I applied to investment banking, I wasn't even trying to convert it into a full-time job. I was just like, let me try to find something to do for the summer. So it may be, like, lower stakes than somebody who was actually trying to convert. And then I only decided to, like, not go to law school in my senior year. So that's that perspective. And uh, the reason I chose that is, like, really just fortuitous. In my sophomore year, I applied to, like, this bank's, like, diversity program for like sophomores um so they have a woman's diversity program and i didn't really think much about it in fact it didn't reply to me about whether i got in like for six months so i thought it was just like never mind <laughs> i only applied to like that one thing and then like six months later randomly they're like okay you got into the diversity program and like here's some mentorship and here's like you can get fast track to interviews so i just did it um and when the interview was going on, it's my spring 2020, my sophomore spring, and it was like COVID. So that, like we just were let go from school, we had nothing to do, right? So and then I got my interview at the investment bank. So I had nothing to do anyway. So I just like read all the like 400 questions to investment banking and just kind of just like prep for the interview that way, having nothing to do anyway. Uh, and then got in. So I was like, that's not hard to try. So it was like. I wouldn't necessarily encourage that because, like, you only get a few internships. So maybe you should, like, 
for somebody who's like actually trying to get a full-time job, they should probably be a bit more intentional about what they want to try it out. But with that said, like, I think I generally had a positive experience. Like I was doing tech, covering like, the tech industry, which is how I knew a lot about some of the legal tech firms through my investment banking summer experience, like looking at the roadshows of some legal tech companies that's going through IPO. And that's how I like, knew about the industry so i think i definitely gained a lot from that experience too Mm, got it yeah so i guess like general tips for our student listeners are definitely like first of all like do not afraid to try different industries if you really don't know what you want but if you know what you want you can always like stick to the way you want if you always know you want to do tech maybe apply to internships or even diversity there are a lot of diversity programs in tech as well so definitely utilize your identity as students. That will be really rare after you get a full-time job. You probably cannot try something new. I mean, like, besides that, I also very curious about, like, your current job as Google APM. How do you think that's different from all of your other jobs? And also, like, during your day-to-day job uh, at Google, how do you think that actually help you to build skill sets that you want? Yeah, in terms of in terms of how the job as an APM may be different from my previous experiences, I think the job is very not structured. It's very much like choose your own adventure, both in terms of work-life balance and your actual job. Like in terms of like how much you need to work on work-life balance. Like I tend to think in all of the other industry I experience, there's like more expectations around like this is the right thing to do and that's the wrong thing to do. And this is how much you should work. Um, I think for tech, it's much about your own level of commitment. Like you can like make a very fun and journey or you can like be very devoted or you can like switch between the two depending on where you are in your life. And that's like more liberty. So I really like the ability to choose. And the second thing that's really different is in the problem I but and two, as a product manager, tend to be more open-ended in that the problem that I have maybe for Kyle, oh, I want to improve the quality of the data sets on Google. How do I do that? So there's a million different approaches you can take to solve this problem. Maybe in other industries, I don't have as much, how is it like, as a junior at least, like, in other industries, it's difficult to find a role where you can solve such broad and open-ended questions and you only get those as like a senior in those firms. So that's some things I like to be a PM, about being a PM. And in terms of my day-to-day job, it varies a lot. A lot of meetings, to be honest, like a lot of meetings, both talking to users and talking to engineering and um, designers. The PM job was very big. If I can just like summarize it with one sentence, it's do whatever it takes to make it happen. Right. So sometimes that could take the form of like scoping on a new feature or developing a new feature or like talking to users about their experiences with the new thing we launched or code emailing people. Like it can be many forms. Like the gist is like making it happen, which for somebody who wants to like solve a very specific set of problems and make it happen. I think I'm like practicing skill to like 
make things work. Interesting. I think like working in Tygo is also a pretty different path from all of the Google APM I actually met. Because like, I feel like Tygo is more like a startup within Google. And I'm very curious about like your thoughts working at Kygo and also you'll talk about interview Kygo's users. I'm also very curious, like for Kygo, because I, I always imagine they're, they're an open source data set platform. But in terms of like customers, how do those like open source data set actually try to acquire like customers? Are your customers those developers or like it's more like enterprise who are trying to use the competition or data sets that mm-hmm. on Kygo? Yeah, so the first part of the question is like, what is it like to work at a startup within Google? I honestly don't have much point of comparison because I actually haven't experienced any other Google teams. So all I can say is like the team is like very small. It's very fast and people are very passionate about what they do. And I would imagine there is a bit less bureaucracy in terms of like approval process than some of the larger firms with a lot more history and users. So if I want to make a change, I can just talk to my engineers and if like we can go in a Zoom meeting, the yeah, Google Meet meeting. I think it's good that we're okay, we can push it out. So in that sense, like for a person who's starting out as a PM, that's both a benefit and a challenge. The benefit is that you can like make more decisions and take more risk and like bet yourself that way. The challenge is like sometimes it's ambiguous like what is the process and when I first started out, I was also afraid of making decisions and mistakes. Yeah, so give and take it, there's like pros and cons. The second part of the question is like, how does Kaggle acquire users? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we understand it right now. Most of our users are individuals who are either learning machine learning or are part of the research or data science machine learning institute like company, but who wants to like practice their individual skills um, and hone their skills as data scientists. We don't really like deliberately cater to enterprise, I don't believe, but we want to like go into the future. We want to make ourselves more useful to somebody who's like have an actual like work problem that they're trying to solve. Yeah, I think most of the customer acquisition is rather organic. We do a lot of like some YouTube videos, some like social media marketing, but a lot of it's like work, work of mouth, word of mouth, right? Because for whoever uses cattle, they generally have a positive experience in terms of like the community helping them to solve, to like help them learn or finding the right resources they need. And then, so that's how people know about cattle mostly. I see. Yeah, that's very interesting to know because like I'm always curious like how open source platform actually monetize or how do they actually acquire users. But I guess for Kygo, you guys are serving like data scientists, especially like individual data scientists to let them build their own open community at Kygo and build their own influence and try to like do the best on user experience so that they can onboard organically. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I'm... We're also very curious because since you mentioned about decision-making, you, you said like you were afraid to make wrong decisions in, in the beginning. And I think, I guess a lot of the PM also have that, that problems for me. I'm still struggling about decision-making because <laughs> I'm always afraid of like making wrong decisions and uh, bring my teams down. 
I'm very curious, how do you handle the decision-making process? And like, how do you make sure you align everyone together about the decision you are making? Yeah, I think the, the most important thing I realized, like making multiple decisions is um, when I first started as a PM, I thought I had to have all the answers and they had to be like the smartest person in that room um, to like, like unblock everyone and tell them what the decision is. Um, there are a few times where like, you know, just sit at my desk and like try to weigh out the pros and cons, realizing I couldn't. And then I organized a meeting with like some people who worked at Kaggle for like longer. And then something they said, like immediately solved the problem. Like that's happened multiple times. So over time, I realized that I don't have to be like, even though as a PM, you're old, old. sometimes like we aren't as a decision maker, you don't have to have all the knowledge or you don't have to be the smartest person or have the information. Like the most important thing that PM can do is like to amass the, like the wisdom of like everyone else working in the company. So like I would ask right now, like I learned to ask people early on about their input, both in terms of like getting better signals for decision and for aligning people on whatever decision I do come up with, like in the future, in the end. And like discussing with other people proactively instead of like trying to like make a list of pros and cons of my notebook. Yeah, I think the other thing is just like getting more comfortable with it and actually realizing like what decisions are truly risky and what are not. So the ones that are not were easily reversible or changeable. Like it's okay to just start with something and like treat it as an experiment. In fact, like that experiment mindset of like if something is reversible and not super consequential, like treating everything as an experiment is a good mindset so that you can like be more lighthearted about it and also like be more open to like later metrics that could be right or, right or wrong. Interesting. But do you feel powerless sometimes as PM when you like cannot make decision or that you have to ask for upper level to support you? Yes, I do have to ask upper level to support me. Sometimes, no, I don't feel powerless because I think it's expected. Like, especially for me, I think I have like, high tolerance for myself making mistakes because I'm aware this is my first time actually working in tech. So I'm just like, okay, with asking for help. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, because I always heard from some PM that they feel powerless as PM because that um, maybe like some engineers do not respect their decisions and they have to go to upper level every time. Uh, but I guess I take away from your experiences, like definitely do not feel that way. It's okay. Everyone make mistakes. Especially PM, because we make mistakes all the time. So I guess it's always okay to try to seek help from people who already work here for a Yeah, but they also depend on the team. Like some teams probably are more engineering oriented, where the and where like a PM should objectively have less to say. I think my team is like healthy balance. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I'm getting the advice that like as a PM, it's important to like distinguish like the PM's role in that team as like somebody who's like looking to join the team, it's important to like look at the culture in terms of whether PMs can healthily contribute to the discourse. I would also say that like 
for people who are in teams where it's more engineering oriented, it also takes time to build trust. That's what I heard. That like initially people may not believe your judgment, especially people who have worked in the industry for like much longer. But I just had to like show your trustworthiness and usefulness to the team and over time you'll get better. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I guess that's definitely a very good suggestion. At the end, I just want to take any like lost suggestions you want to have for our general audience or undergrads, grad students, or even people who are trying to switch PM. Do you have any like general suggestions from like your own perspective? Yeah, I I think like first of all, uh, like especially to people who are like more underclassmen, don't be afraid to try different things out. You don't have to just have like do one thing for a long time. And that's not what most people do. Second of all is like, don't be afraid, like don't be afraid to like be the person who has untraditional background into like whatever industry, untraditional background into like finance, into consulting, into PM, into like law, whatever. There's like so much untraditional background going on. Um, at some point it's for us, nobody has a traditional background because there's no right way answer to it. Like, sure, I think most PMs like have a specific experience, like some kind of like commonalities. I don't think most of my peers like study computer science. A lot of them have been software engineers before or having like worked with them before. But like, there's also a lot of space for people who you could con- consider like untraditional and don't let the narrative of not having the perfect set of experience. Like, discourage you from trying yeah i think that's the biggest thing because i've seen a lot of people wanting to like try different things and they're have the perceived barrier in mind and in general the more you get rid of the barrier the more you'll feel confident to put yourself into different situations yeah great those are definitely great suggestions for people who do not have a traditional background. It's okay that if you're not self-engineer, you can still be a PM. Even though you want to go to law school, you can still be a PM. <laughs> and I think lastly, we always end with couple same questions for our speakers. I guess like the first set of the question we prepare for every speaker is that uh, what is one of the books you are recently reading or podcast you are recently listening? And do you recommend any of them? Why do you recommend? <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean, my mind immediately goes to the books I, I, I was reading, but I think it's a bit esoteric. I, I was, like right before the interview, I was reading a book called The Affirmation of Life, which is on Nietzsche overcoming nihilism. It's a bit, it's a bit dark. Like, that's like a topic that I personally have a lot of interest in because the, these, it's a secondary source on Nietzsche that examines like his project in terms of like how he looks at nihilism and how to overcome um it is written by a brown professor i think in this day and age like people are meaning seeking machines right like we all want to look for some meanings and like personally i used to find a lot of objective meaning in terms of like criminal justice or like different like legal pursuits which is why i pursued so much nonprofits. 
but at some point I it, I was introduced a bit more skepticism or even like nihilism in terms of whether the objective values of justice and good and bad and good and evil exist at all, um, which like for a while led me away from doing like what I was doing. Um, but over time, I think I've read many sources like this, which also tries to square um, nihilism with like actual pursuits that you should still pursue in life. So I think it's like good for somebody who's like seeking, like maybe have some confusion about what they actually find meaningful or wants to challenge your framework framework of thinking about meaning. It's a bit esoteric as a philosophy text, but it's much better than reading like a primary source on philosophy because as a working adult, I honestly don't have time to read primary sources. So like secondary sources like this are easier to digest. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, great. I guess that's the wrap up of today's session. Thank you so much, Cher, for joining us. Those are great, great suggestions. And yeah, thanks again. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like it, please follow us on The Breakdown. Thanks. Thank you for having me. And that wraps up this episode of The Breakdown. A huge shout out to our speaker, Cher, host Annie, and editor Kevin. You can find the list of resources we talked about in the description below. And if you're eager to continue breaking down barriers and engage with like-minded individuals, we invite you to subscribe to our newsletter where you can drill down deeper into topics of our podcast and tune in, as well as tech news summaries and trending product analysis that sink in and delve in. Thank you for joining us for today, The Breakdown, and see you in the next episode.